Hello everyone, this is Thomas Le Wang. I wanted to talk to you about reading today. I spent most of my life reading books, learning. I don't think that I have stopped studying from the moment I left school. If anything, I actually studied way more than back in the days of school and university. And one of the things that I realized over the years is the way that I read books actually has helped me tremendously in my approach to living or upskilling myself. I keep on talking about the strategy of the trilogy of SMS. And the first S stands for skill. And in the skill, you have to do two things, really. You have to be able to learn. So either read, study, watch a mentor, follow someone who's done it, and really follow exactly the same step. Then really you have to do the second bit, which is take action and take a lot of action. Do the same thing and, and keep on doing it and persist. But until you really have accomplished those two things, that I would say that reading is useless. A lot of people actually have read books and it's actually, to me, not reading. It's entertaining. So entertaining yourself with knowledge is the same thing as someone going to a movie and forget about it. It's a funny thing. I can study a lot about books, but when it comes to movies, for example, unless they're really great movies and I've watched them at least 10 times, I don't seem to remember movies. I can watch a movie and within six months, if you get me to go through that movie again, it feels like a brand new movie to me. But when it comes to books, there are many books that I read and yes, I just take one message out and I move on. There are books that are really revealing. And so today I just want to share with you how I actually encapsulate the gist of a book and pull out the essence of it and try to emulate exactly what's going through the book in order to reap the maximum benefit. This is funny because as I'm speaking right now, I hate it. I used to hate books. Up until the age of 21, I have probably read one series book and mainly that's because the teacher I had in year three has read that book over his entire career of 30 years. So there was no escaping but to read his thing and study. But it was a leader of mine who really instilled in me the desire not only to read but to study, to suck out the marrow of the book, to really try to explore the author's mindset and have a look at how an author has gathered all of that knowledge and for us to be lucky enough to share his knowledge. My leader used to call me at six in the morning, wake me up, he would wake me up, and he would say to me, you know, Thomas, I needed to share this passage with you. It, it was so good. And I sort of said to him, listen, mate, I, I came home very late last night. I used to sell insurance, and I just need to rest. And he said, no, 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 no. The, the day you die, you rest, but listen to this. And he would just read a passage. But he would not just read the passage. He would actually teach me how to explore it. And he was the leader who told me that you grow from two things, the books you read and the people you meet. And he used to say to me, if tonight you're not going to be meeting someone interesting, just sit down, open a book, and let Dale Carnegie talk to you. And I think uh, that's where my love of books started. I love books that are nonfiction, that are teaching. The books that I'm talking about here now are mainly direction books about how to do certain things, how to become certain way, not really about stories. And the reason is because I'm so busy about 
learning that I just want to the the, the medicine and the in point form in how to immediately so that I can implement it. And so the books are so important in the reading in that we have to use different methods. We have to highlight. Um, we may want to also make a note, jot a note down if it really helps us remember. And then afterwards, we have to really study it. Yeah, almost have to not know it by heart, but spend a lot of time trying to remember what it is about and then do that and go out there straight away to implement it on the day, even if you fail, even if it's not happening. The key is to start doing. And today I just want to share with you a book that I uh, saw at, uh, on a desk of uh, a friend of mine in his office, and it's the Daily Stoic, 366 Meditation on Wisdom, Perseverance, and the Art of Living by Holiday Ryan, Hanselman Stephen. And so for me, I never classified myself as a, a stoic. And still, I don't still believe that I'm a stoic. But in, in many ways, a lot of my behavior does stem from the stoicism. The stoicism is probably, to me, a, it's not a religion, it's a culture. It's a way of being that actually they say that started something like 300 years before Jesus Christ. And it's actually about logic and ethics. It's, it focuses on how to think and it focuses on how to lead a good life. And I thought, you know, what a great book to really share with you. Unfortunately, I'm not going to go through the 366 days. I'm going to show you a little bit through maybe just 12 points. I've tried to take one of my favorite points in each month. And I'm trying my best to get the 12 points that relates to what we're going through right now with people having anxiety of loss of a job or uncertainty of the future or having financial issues. People who are in self-isolation, getting bored and probably don't even know what to do with their time and but too scared to go out there because they don't want to get a fine. To me, the key of the Stoics are about three disciplines. The discipline of perception, that is perception as in what is it you feel? Do you rely on your senses in terms of feeling? Do you let your emotion take the gist of it or do you apply some reason, some logic? the power of choice over emotions and impulse. Then you have to have the action. The action is how to do it, how to be flexible enough to learn along the way, uh, fall, step up, but don't do it again. And then probably the last one, which is the will, that, that deep desire. And that's probably something that stems from your own self. Remember my trilogy of SMS, where it's about a skill, it's about mindset and it's about self. And yet self is one of those hidden power that we have that gives probably skill and mindset its real essence. And so will is part of that self. So once we have that, I think we can now really start. So let's start with those of you who've got that book. You start with the 1st of January. The, the first one that I've picked on there is control and choice. So let me read you first the paragraph that comes from Epictetus. And he says this, the chief task in life is simply this, to identify and separate matters so that I can say clearly to myself which are external, not under my control, and which have to do with the choice I actually control. Where then do I look for good and evil? Not to uncontrollable externals, but within myself to the choice that are my own. 
and that was Epictetus writing in his book Discourse. And what he's really trying to say is this: that the most important thing in the Stoic philosophy is the ability to know what we can change in life and what we can't, what we really can influence and what we can't influence. Because when you know that, then you already know how to, first of all, pour your energy onto what matters and also not let your mind go crazy over the matters you can't because it's about acceptance. I think if we can really have a look at the last uh, paragraph where it says this, if we can focus on making clear what parts of our day are within our control and what parts are not, then we will not only be happier, we will have a distinct advantage over other people who fail to realize that they are fighting an unwinnable battle. And so here's how I read the book. I will go through that again and I will try to understand it, make sense to myself. I will begin analyzing my last seven days and see, all right, how did I go? How did I go with these things that I focused on? Did I focus on things I really could control or did I focus on things that I had no control over? And it's very important to really have a look at it in today's context. I have no control over the fact that the coronavirus is here. That's part of the deal. I have no control over the fact that even though it's taken me these years, all these years to really create this dream, this goal, It's taken a very small virus to shake all of these things. Now, I don't know what's going to come out of this on the other side of the tunnel, but all I know is that right now I am in the tunnel and I have the choice of staying in the dark in the tunnel or light up the part of the tunnel where I am. And so by doing this and looking through the analysis, I now can see how I can really apply the book. And I will do this, not just today, I will do this many days. I mean, obviously now this book uh, has been a subject of reading of mine over the past year and a half. I've been going through this many times. And so the one thing that I try and do a lot in these things with the books is that I have then a journal. And the journal allows me to write down the first application of that thing that was important for me to apply. And so we have to really be able to not only apply, but take notes of what we have applied. I have the same friend, uh, the same friend who introduced me to this book. I know he's, he's read it or part of it, but I know from just lately the way that he was talking to his team and vented out his frustration and I was It was nice of him to tell me, but that's why I don't want to mention his name. But I thought that it was a disgrace because if you have been introduced to such material and you're still a slave, a victim of your impulse and a slave to your own negative emotions when they explode, then you have not read the book. Why waste that time? Why want to read other books? Why want to go out there and do things and try to tell your own friends about how good you are, about how much knowledge you have, if that bit of yourself you can't even control. And so this is how I study it, that in looking at other people's behavior, I can also now see how the material is predicting it's going to happen. And that's just with January the 1st. So let's go now to 24th of Feb. 
On the 24th of Feb, we're talking about the real source of harm. And here is again the text. Keep in mind that it isn't the one who has in it for you and takes a swipe that harms you. But rather the harm comes from your own belief about the abuse. So when someone arouses your anger, know that it's really your opinion fueling it. Instead, make it your first response not to be carried away by such impressions. For with time and distance, self-mastery is more easily achieved. Again, it's from Epictetus. Now, the way I see it in there is the same thing as what Wayne Dyer said once in his books. It is not the snake bite that kills you, but quite often the poison that you allow to run free throughout your veins that will end up killing you. And so the difference between the two is that one, which is what Epictetus say, is about how we interpret things, make things either small or huge, not the blow. And Wayne Dye is about how you keep it within or just look at it just as a bite that really will do the damage. So in the book, it says the criticism from your worst enemy is received differently than negative words from a spouse. You know, if even a stranger walk up to you and said, you, you're an idiot, you're a loser. And I can tell you're not a successful person. And he's just a stranger. Really? Do you care? But what if it was your father saying that to you? You'd probably be crushed. And so why do we allow that? Why do we make the interpretation based on the source? So the reaction is really what determines whether harm has occurred or not. It's your reaction, not their reaction. So what we need to do is to learn to retain control of ourselves. We decide how to label certain things that people tell us. We choose not to react. We choose to apply the labels because we wanted to, not because another person has given us the label. And so, again, as I said, I will look at an example of what has happened around me. I will have a look at what I have experienced personally. I will take notes and I will try it out straight away. And so how would I do this? For example, I actually do speak to a lot of interesting people every single day. And one of the things that I do immediately is in my next phone conversation, I will have a look at how they're feeling. When one employees talk to me about the way their employers treated them, I immediately use this material in order to help them understand that it is them who put the label on themselves, not the employer. And so by immediate implementation of the information, I have now made this information more of mine. And this here means that afterwards I will go into my journal and write down the application of it. Now, this is not something I just do today. What I then do is that tomorrow I now am going to learn to apply it again. And next day I'll apply it again. And the next time that I am in front of that situation, I'll remember to apply it again. Let's go now to March 13. So March 13, it says this, one day it will all make sense. And again, it's a paragraph from Epictetus. It says this, whenever you find yourself blaming providence, turn it around in your mind and you will see that what has happened is in keeping with reason. So part of the reason that we fight against the thing that happened is that we so focus on our plan 
that we forget that there might be a much bigger plan that we don't know about. There's a much bigger picture. Do you know the things that don't happen to you sometimes are just the introduction to something way nicer? I mean, I still remember Tony Robbins saying, God's denial is not God's delay. And so we have to really understand that sometimes while we go through this right now, it doesn't make sense. To me, I actually have enjoyed what we're going through right now because it is two things. One, it is a test to my learning. If everything that I've learned cannot fight back the challenges that I'm going through right now, then what I've learned is useless. That's how I look at it. But really, what I'm going through right now has allowed me to even spend more time teaching our people that family and quality of life and making sure that profit does not remove the fact that your highest value is your family by pushing them to second or third spot. If those things are happening right now, well, then this thing is actually helping me teach my people these things. Because I've been trying to teach all of our people, do you know that success, it's an illusion. Yes, you can make more money, but that means it may eat a little bit better. But really, unless you really have success higher on your level and family on a lower level, really, why would you go for success if you're claiming that family is more important? How can you say that family is more important if you can't even take the time to have breakfast with them? I mean, one of the things that I did when my twins were born is I promised myself that for one year, I will be around them and do nothing else but be around them. And that's what I did. That was something that I really regretted when I had Charlotte and Alexander. And I really regretted the fact that I wasn't around that much, that I had to run around and trying to survive. Little did I know, if I had read something like this and, and really understood that that was about balancing it and that was about finding the best of both worlds, that one didn't have to be sacrificed at the expense of the other one, that one didn't have to come at the expense of the other one then really I probably would have done it a little bit better. But nevertheless, it's gone. I can't do anything about it, but just remember and never go back there. And so sometimes the things that we need to be doing right now with COVID-19 is to look at the good things that COVID-19 is bringing into our life. And yesterday I was trying to explain to my children, the twins who are 12, about the significance of a full stop, a circle, a black circle on a blank sheet of paper. And all that they did, that they spent like two or three minutes trying to just explain to me what they saw in that round black spot in the center of the paper. But they forgot to mention to me about everything that was white and that was around the black spot. They didn't see that. I was trying to explain to them that that's what most people do in life. They look at the things that bothers them. They look at the things that they can see. They look at the things that are, that are taking all their focus. They worry about their health. They worry about the fact that they, they've lost their job. They worry about the fact that they're going to be in isolation. But they never sat down really to, to see that for the first time, this generation has been allowed to wake up and have breakfast with their children and not having to be pushed out of door because, well, we've really been locked down. And so by doing these things and then writing it down in my journal and then helping other people when I go through this, now I have made this information more me. 
And that's how I study. Now let's go to April the 4th. April the 4th. It goes like this. Don't let this go to your head. And again, here's his text from Marcus Aurelius, the uh, Roman emperor. Make sure you are not made emperor. Avoid that imperial stain. It can happen to you. So keep yourself simple, good, pure, saintly, plain, a friend of justice, God-fearing, gracious, affectionate, and strong for your proper work. Fight to remain the person that philosophy wished to make you. Revere the gods and look after each other. Life is short. The fruit of this life is a good character and acts for the common good. And you know, I really like that line when he says, fight to remain the person that philosophy wished to make you. We spend a lot of our time getting lost into a lot of things. Distractions, trying to be what we are not meant to be, running after the emulation of some of our heroes who, if they were unique, will be the only one like that. We, in our own uniqueness, have got our own song to sing. And that is probably a better thing to do. That is to find our own song and sing it before we go to our deathbed with the regret that maybe we should have sang that song. And what I really like is that when he says philosophy <laughs> wish to make you, and then after a little while when you get lost, you read about philosophy and you start to embrace philosophy only to find that person that you have abandoned a long time ago that was there within you from day dot. And I think when I look at all this, For me, when I understand, don't let this go to your head, what it means by that is never lose yourself, whether it is for success, whether it is for money, whether it is for opportunity or career advancement. You never lose yourself. And just lately, I had people who were having an argument because one person didn't make enough money and went out and saw somebody else driving a nice car and so now they wanted to rearrange the, the rules of the game and also because they got anxiety hitting them at home and from everywhere, all that they want to do is to go back to their primal person. And because they are a good performer, now they think that they shit don't sting, that they really should and deserve to have it. And to me, that's the beginning of you letting things get into your head. You can fix things. You can sort things out. But it doesn't have to be by destroying everything. Once you've built the foundation of your home, you build the first ground floor, Once the ground floor of your building is built, you don't have to destroy that ground floor in order to build the first floor. You make sure that you build the first floor on that strong foundation. And that's what I like about this one here. So you see, sometimes reading about these things does not mean that I have to act on that straight away, but it is important for me to make sense of the logic of what I'm learning into my life. Now, sometimes... I do read things that I, and I say to myself, no, that's, that's garbage. That doesn't work that way. Now, sometimes it is garbage. Sometimes it is actually knowledge that I wasn't mature enough to grasp. I needed a little bit more experience. I needed a mentor to make me see these things. I have to say, I've been very fortunate at, that I have had great mentors, and we will talk about it very soon. So let's go to now May the 7th. May the 7th is about how to have a good day. This is a paragraph from Epictetus. God laid down this law, saying, 
if you want some good, get it from yourself. And what it says is that, you know, the only way you can guarantee that you're going to have a good day is by you doing good things. If you just go out there and you just do good things and have joy that is from within, then really you don't need to rely on any external factor to make it change. I look at my sister, who's a nurse in Belgium right now, and she is drained. She is working many shifts. In Belgium, they're actually not allowing the, the nurses to, or doctors to have their own tests on the coronavirus unless they spend 60 euros. So maybe for some reason, and, and the only reason I can see is that if you get a nurse to realize now that she's sick because she had to pay 60 euros to get the test done, well, she's going to be off. And if she's going to be off, maybe everyone has to be off. Maybe you won't have enough personnel to look after the intensive care. And, and those of us who really look and follow the figures, Belgium, over the last few days, even though the population is no more than 11 million, I think, or 12, They're getting something like four, uh, five hundred deaths a day for the moment. It speaks. Still, she finds the time to do good things around her because that makes her feel good. And she gauge on having a good day through the good things she does on a daily basis. So I look at that and I'm thinking then straight away, right, my industry is real estate. We help sellers fulfill their dream to move on to the next part of their life. We help buyers own maybe the biggest dream they can have in their life, which is a roof over the top of loved ones. We help investors grow their treasure chest for the future. We do a lot of good things for people. So do we do a lot of good things and share that with our own clients and customers and somehow share that feeling with them? Or do we just sell them a house? You know, I can sell someone a house and I can help someone move. One will receive a transaction. The other one will receive a transformation. And so by thinking about these things here now, May the 7th, how to have a good day is becoming part of me. But it's still not me unless I really go out there and practice it and practice it and do it again. So you can see how sometimes that one single book can actually take my entire energy for a year. And this is why I don't read too many books. I think that the most I've done is roughly about 37 books in a year. But I want to get that book and make it part of me and digest as much as I can through my action. The next one is finding the right mentors on June the 7th. So I go to June the 7th and June the 7th is finding the right mentors. We like to say that we don't get to choose our parents, that they were given by chance. Yet we can truly choose whose children we like to be. And that's from Seneca. Now, I have nothing else to say, but really much of my growth has been through the surrounding of great mentors. People who did not know that I embrace them as a mentor. People who... I look up to uh, or some of the actions or some uh, of the way they live their life inspired me. I have a friend, his name is Robert Breeze. And I always remember when I had my first child, Charlotte, I went to him and I asked him, what is it that I need to do to make sure that I bring up a child the way that you brought up Romy, his daughter? 
And that was a piece of advice he gave me some 26 years ago. And it was a very simple line. He said, look at it as a tap. You know that water tap, Thomas? You can untighten it as they earn the right. But remember, untightening means you give them more freedom. But they must earn and respect that freedom. But remember, just like this tap, when you untighten it, it's going to be very difficult to tighten it back up. That's all you have to remember. That, that was it. At first, I thought, oh, man, well, I don't know. I, I was hoping for a little bit more than just that one line. I mean, if my child was to, to be compared to water, we're going to have a problem with drowning. And he was so right. He was so right. Every single thing from that day onwards, because I only followed that, has really given me, so far, <laughs> touch wood, four beautiful children that a father can only be proud of. And if that's the only thing that I have achieved with them, then I have really done my duty. And this is why mentors are so, so important. They come in every kind of shape. They come with every kind of accent. They come with sometimes maybe in the form or at a moment when you least expect. But if you really understand that, then you'll be fine. And always remember, you have two legs and that means that you, there are some negative mentors or negative people that you don't have to be hang around. Walk away from them. Seek the companionship or to surround yourself with great role models. Those are the mentors that you need to have because they will provide you a much better source of knowledge. And I believe that mentors and coaches are very different. Coaches do give you a piece of advice or they give you a line. Mentors actually take the time to study your persona. They know you. They know what makes you tick. They know the, your direction. And so if you're going to really give yourself 100% to a mentor to accelerate your growth exponentially, you need to find a mentor who cares. Otherwise, don't. July the 17th. July the 17th is about don't abandon yourself or others, or don't abandon others or yourself. And it says this from Marcus Aurelius, the emperor. As you move forward along the path of reason, people will stand in your way. They will never be able to keep you from doing what's sound. So don't let them knock out your goodwill for them. And it's difficult to really go through this chapter. But what they're also trying to say is that as you grow, as you find new path, you should never abandon the people who were around you, the people who got you there, the people who came through this journey with you. What you need to do is to take them with you. You don't just write them off. You don't just use them and throw them. You make sure that you enrich yourself by learning the capacity to bring along the people who have brought you there. August the 15th, the supreme court of your mind, August the 15th. This can be swiftly taught in very few words. Virtue is the only good. There is no certain good without virtue. And virtue resides in our noble path, which is the rational path by Seneca. So think about someone you know who has a character of granite. Why are they so dependable, trustworthy, excellent? Ask yourself, why are they like this? Why do they have a reputation that is so solid? It is unshakable. 
And he says in this book that you probably will see a pattern, and the pattern is consistency. They are honest not only when it's convenient, they are not only there for you when it counts, but they do it whatever it takes. Even if at times it does hurt them, they will keep their own character. And that to me is uh, an amazing thing. That is one book I really want to share with you one of these days by Russell Goff. And it's, uh, it's just crazy. Its name is Character's Destiny. You know, I just don't know whether destiny is being traced way before I even get there. I mean, I'm too small to even think that big. But the one thing I know is that I can do the best I can with all I have until destiny reveals itself to me. That is very close to a line that I learned from The Last Samurai, one of the movies. Now, let's go to September 18. September 18 is called Dealing with Pain. And that's something that none of us can escape. And in dealing with pain, uh, this is a, a few lines from Marcus Aurelius. Whenever you suffer pain, keep in mind that it's nothing to be ashamed of and that it can't degrade your guiding intelligence. Nor keep it from acting rationally and for the common good. In there, there was a, a story. In 1931, on, on a trip to New York, uh, Winston Churchill, he was... Uh, crossing the street, and he got s- struck by a car that was going more than 30 miles an hour. A witness thought he was actually killed, and he actually spent eight days in hospital with cracked ribs and severe wounds. Now, when he got the accident, somehow he retained consciousness. So, And when he spoke to the police, he tried to tell them that he was to be blamed 100%, and he wanted the driver to have nothing, no harm, no fine. Later on, that driver actually visited Churchill at the hospital. And when Churchill heard that the driver was out of work, he tried to offer him uh, some money. And to me, this here is, is an amazing thing. You can have pain, but if you can really transcend your pain and see the silver lining or see with total honesty your part in it before you blame anybody else, I mean, you have to reach much bigger things. I mean, now we understand why Winston Churchill is still adored today by so many people around the world for his ability not to have that kind of uncanny ability to answer back people with sarcasm and fun, but the ability to be strong during the Second World War. It was really thanks to Winston Churchill. But you can see that wasn't something that he just earned during the Second World War. It was preparations all throughout his life. October the 2nd, the most valuable asset. But the wise person can lose nothing. Such a person has everything stored up for themselves, leaving nothing to fortune. Their own goods are held firm, bound in virtue, which requires nothing from chance, and therefore can't be either increased or diminished. Seneca. And... What Seneca wanted to get us to understand is this. There are people who will invest money in assets, in properties, in things, in material possessions, in stocks. Some people will really invest in relationship or accomplishment. And they know that if they can really invest in relationship one of these days, just like money in the bank, they can call upon those relationships for help. 
But then there's a third type, the type that really Seneca liked. And that person invests in themselves, in being a good and a wise person. It's hard. It's not easy to be a good person. Uh, sometimes I, I try to be a good person and uh, there's a little voice in me that says, why should I bother? They couldn't care less. But then that's when you had to stand up and really step forward because that at that point in time when you step forward, when there's no reason for you to step forward, at that point in time, change happens. Something in you goes to the next level. And so for me, if you really invest in that asset that is you, you can never lose. You can never go bankrupt. People who invest into properties and things and stock market right now are feeling it. Have a look at the government making rules with investment that you have in the property market. Have a look at the stock market going up and down. Who makes money? The guys who gets the piece of information 30 seconds before you on the stock market. Because when you, just the normal mum and dad, has to play, you got to be very lucky. Because in life, the stock is a bit like the first law of thermodynamics. Nothing's ever created. Nothing's ever destroyed. Money doesn't get created. For Warren Buffett to make money, maybe somebody else has to lose. That's how it works. But if you invest in yourself, it's there forever. No matter the circumstance, it never goes away. Now, November the 12th, the strong accepts responsibility. If we judge as good and evil, only the things in the power of our own choice, then there is no room left for blaming gods or being hostile to others. Marcus Aurelius. What he's talking about is that you are the only person responsible for your own actions. In the book, it talks a little bit about President Truman. And on his desk, he always had a sign that says, the back stops here. And as a president, he knows he's got so much more power of control than anyone else that unless he really feels responsible, really, who can he blame beyond himself when he is the ultimate decision maker in the country? Now, as the president of our own lives, we need to really understand that attitude is only going to serve us because the rest of our life depends on us. December 11th. December 11th is about dignity and bravery. And this is again by Seneca. As Cicero says, we hate gladiators if they are quick to save their lives by any means. We favor them if they show contempt for their lives. And I think that, you know, in life it's, about, it's not about just living. It's about living a good life, a life worth remembering. Like Jim Rohn says, one of the books that I have studied for many years, leading an inspired life. You need to lead a life that is inspiring. Number one, if you can lead a life that is inspired to yourself, it's fantastic. If you can then live a life that is inspiring for your children, that's maybe the most you can hope for. But if your life is inspiring more than your own little circle of family, you are a truly blessed man or woman. And so I think... We need to really learn to stand up, be brave, have so much dignity that we will only choose the road less traveled. We will only choose the path that is the hardest path. Nobody really respects a coward. Nobody likes a guy who avoids responsibility or duty. Right now, 
there are employers because of the coronavirus who are jumping on the 1500 bikes to deal with their employees. I think that they are just shirking their duties. I believe that people who run businesses have got employees and right now their responsibility is to make sure that their employees deserve to have them as a leader, that their employees looked after. This is one of the things that I truly believe. How can you be a master and commander if at the first sign of trouble you're the first one to jump off your ship? You can't. I only end with these two things. We have to learn to be brave and be dignified. And so, you see, here were just 12 lessons that I have taken, one a month. So, there's so many more that I'd love to share with you one of these days. And today, all I want to show you is how I read books. How I make sure that whatever I read is not entertainment, but it is something that is going to enrich me, that's going to make me a better person. Now, will I be leaving those 12 things? Maybe, maybe not. But what if I just lived one and from this book use just that one thing to make myself better? And because I will keep on studying, what if tomorrow I get one more? I don't actually get two more things better in my life. I also get the permutation of the knowledge that I have with those two things, which may lead to so much more in my head. I hope that I have shared enough of my ability to read and how I read books so that you can start from here on. It's not just books. There's plenty of videos that I have done that I hope people don't just watch to entertain themselves. I hope that they watch and study and watch again and have a look at certain points again. And if they did like what I say, because not everything I say is likable, if they did... I hope that they took the time to digest it and make it part of them, make it work in synergy with their being as to create more symbiosis between the acquired knowledge and their self. And in doing so, there's only one outcome, and that's growth. Because at the end, there's only two things we can do in life, grow or die. Growth is the much better way while we are alive. Thank you very much. My name is Thomas Lewe.